Life is going to give you challenges, struggles. It's going to force you to face your fears. Even though these may feel like your worst enemy, in truth, these are actually your greatest allies. My name is Lance Isios. Welcome to the University of Adversity. Hey, everybody. Before we get into today's episode, I want to share with you a company and a product that I am super excited about that I have personally used and had incredible results from. And I think you will too. The company is called HVMN and the product is called Ketone IQ. You can find them at hvmn.com. Like I said, it's called Ketone IQ. They have a few products, but this is the one I'm going to speak to right now. I have been fascinated with the ketogenic diet over the years and figuring out is keto right for me or is burning carbs right for me? And for those of you that don't know the difference, we're either burning sugars, which is carbs, or burning fat, which is ketones. In order to get into ketosis, it's usually a difficult process. I want to keep this as simplified as I can for you guys. A lot of people try the, keto, the ketogenic diet, but they're not able to withstand the discomfort that it takes to get into it. Sometimes you have to fast for a couple of days, eat a lot of fat, and so on. But now, this product allows you to have drinkable ketone shots that gets you there right away, fast, without having to do like a crazy long fast. I know it sounds a little bit crazy. And believe me, I've tried so many different supplements out there from MCT oils to exogenous ketones to ketone esters, all of it. This product is the best. And here's why. I, dur during my 75 hard journey, I really wanted to try out the different diets. I personally love eating meat, fruit, eggs. That's like my, probably my, my favorite diet for sustainability while I travel. But when it comes to cognitive function and body composition goals, weight loss, if I want to lose body fat, and I really want to be dialed in, there's no better diet for me. Or there's no better lifestyle than being on the ketogenic diet. Now, this is sometimes challenging to sustain because there's so much junk out there that, um, especially in these bars that we eat, you go to Whole Foods, a lot of it's junk. A lot of this oils that are in it, it's junk. It's hard to stay in that zone. But with these guys, they have these, these bottles where you can pour little shots of these ketones when you're... Um, either before a workout or during a workout, it'll give you that boost and it'll take away that hunger instantly. And I tried this. I went on a, in a fasted state. I was boxing. I was doing two workouts a day with 75 hard. And I would use this product and I would literally be in a fasted state the entire day doing two workouts. Now, I don't recommend doing this for the average person, but if you're an athlete and you want to achieve high performance, I encourage you to, to push your body to the limits. And that's what I did. So I would work out and then I go boxing and I, and I'd be scared because, oh man, I didn't, I, I'm super low on my carb storage right now. I, I, I haven't had any carbs and I've been training a lot. So I would, I would be afraid to go do a high intense workout like boxing. But then I had a shot or two, two doses of this. And I immediately was like, wow. Okay. And it was just enough to get me through the workout. And I'm talking high intensity as well. Normally, when I'm in the ketosis state, I run out of energy. So I almost need a little bit of carbs if I'm training hard. 
this product really helped me a lot. And not only was it, did it help me with my fitness goals? I leaned out a lot, but it helped me with my cognitive function. Now I love eating carbs. I love training and eating carbs as well. But like I said earlier, sometimes it takes away my mental focus. So this, like say I wanted to do a podcast, I would have this with some tea or a coffee and I was just dialed in. Okay. So if you guys are curious about the ketogenic diet um, and, or you, and you're, you're curious about how to get into that um, state of burning ketones versus carbs, this is the product to check out. I highly recommend it because there's a lot of things out there I've tried. A lot of them are junk. Some of them are good. There's no caffeine in this or anything like that. And it really just gets to the source and helps you achieve that. So when I use these, I was like, wow, these, these things are amazing. Like, I don't say that lightly because I've literally treated myself like a human guinea pig and tried it all. And sometimes I'm like, man, this stuff doesn't work. And, but this stuff, I really noticed it. The problem is I went through it so fast. It, <laughs> it, it went quick. And because it's so high quality, it's not the most, it's not the cheapest product, but you're paying for quality. And I want to offer this to you guys for 10% off at checkout. And I really want to hear how you feel about this, because if you're anything like me, you really want to achieve optimization. And as we talk about, you know, what it takes to overcome adversity, you got to be operating, your vessel needs to be operating at peak performance because life can get challenging sometimes, our mindset, all of it. And if we can have things that can help us stay focused, stay high energy, it's going to help us move through the adversity. And so I, I only like to promote products that I feel really help me and that I think would help you. So go grab some Ketone IQ. These guys are awesome. Go HVM, HVMN.com, Ketone IQ, enter the code Lance at checkout for 10% off. That's L-A-N-C-E for a 10% discount at checkout. Go to HVMN.com, Ketone IQ, enter the promo code Lance at checkout for 10% off. I promise you, you won't be disappointed and I freaking love these products. All right, now. Uninterrupted podcast with Kaylor Betts. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to University of Adversity. Today's guest is a bold and honest voice in the mental health space with a growing following and a hard hitting, buzzworthy podcast called the Mental Wealth Podcast. His podcast trends within the top 15 mental health podcasts in Canada and in the top 1% of the most popular podcasts globally. The one, the only, Kaylor Betts is joining us today, and he is probably one of the biggest truth speakers of our day, of our time, and I admire him and his courage and his bravery for speaking his truth and speaking up about things that a lot of people won't want to speak about. He gets a lot of backlash, but he also gets a lot of love, and the guy's following just continues to grow month after month. His engagement on his social media and his Instagram is mind-boggling. And it's something that I really respect because in today's age, with all the censorship and all of the bullshit, it's hard to, to, be, to find the courage to speak your truth. And Kaylor is somebody that 
does a great job of it. Does everybody love him? No. But like I said, he's got his raving fans that do love him. And I think he's a hell of a guy on a mission to help people create mental wealth in their life. And we get into what that all means with him, his podcast and everything. We talk about his own mental wellness breakthrough. We break down um, what about him speaking truth and all that. We talk about his journey with anxiety, panic attacks, and overcoming them. You don't want to miss that. We talk about the benefits of meditation, the importance of good nutrition. This is a really important section because I think a lot of people are uninformed. You may agree with some of the stuff. You may not, but that's okay. And finally, right at the end, we cover his five mental wealth checklists for all of you that you can take away today and use in your life. Highly recommend listening to this right to the end. And if you aren't subscribed to University of Adversity yet, what the hell are you doing? No, I'm just kidding. But if you aren't, go subscribe wherever you listen to this. CastBox, Spotify, Apple, YouTube, wherever you want to listen or watch podcasts, we're available. And also, if you want to give back to the show, please leave us a review on Apple. It's greatly appreciated. I love hearing your guys' opinions and what you think, what you loved. And it helps the show grow. So. That's how you can give back and make sure to go follow Kaler. All his information is in the show notes below. And I know you guys are going to love this episode. It's absolute fire. And I can't wait to hear your feedback. All right. Without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, welcome Kaler Betts to the show. There we go. Kaler Betts. Welcome to the show, brother. Good to see you. Yo, Lance, man, I'm stoked. I'm honored to be here. I think our last full conversation that was recorded was on my podcast, and that was awesome. So if it's even half as good as that, I'm pumped. Yeah, I had a lot of fun on that, man. We went deep, and you know we're both on similar paths, and that's why I really, I really love the work that you're doing, and you know not only with bringing awareness to mental health, but like being able to have the balls to kind of speak your truth and speak your mind, because there's a lot of crazy shit going on right now. And, you know, it's been such a wild ride the last couple of years. And, you know, to be able to stay in truth and to be able to speak that it's not easy, especially when I know that you're getting a ton of your, not only are you helping a lot of people, but you're getting a ton of backlash from people because you're speaking in truth. So let's start there, man. How has that journey been for you so far with when you decided to kind of be like, man, I got to start saying something here. I got to start, I got to start stepping up and saying something because in my heart, I can't pull back anymore. Yeah, well, look, I I think, and I'm actually going to approach it at an angle because I get asked this question a lot. It's a good question. It's, you know, inevitably where we're going to start off and when I get interviewed. But I think that to approach it at a bit of a different angle, after reflection of my journey, I've always been committed to mental health, right? I mean, that's my story. I struggled for many years. I was in a battle with my mind and I was anxious and depressed and I lacked focus, lacked energy. Getting out of bed was the biggest task of the day. And it was really difficult for me for many years. And I went through a breakdown and ultimately that led me to a breakthrough. But when I really reflect on like what helped me get to that place of getting through a 
to a breakthrough and getting to a place where I don't have it all figured out, but I feel great. Most days I feel like I'm thriving, right? And I feel in the driver's seat of my mental health, if you will. But one of the things that has always been so important for that is truth, man. I mean, we live in a society now where we are so fucking worried about hurting people's feelings in the moment. We're so fucking worried about offending someone in the moment, about making someone sad, about making someone angry, about making someone frustrated, about making someone jealous or anything, right? And it's this like participation ribbon kind of culture that we now live in where it's, you know, and now it's going to our kids. It's like, well, fuck, don't ever have them go through any sort of, you know, any sort of adversity or challenges. Let's protect their emotional, you know, state at all costs. And I don't think that way, right? Like if you want to transform your mental health, if you want to build mental resilience, which is a big part of mental wealth, as I call it, then guess what? You have to build mental resilience. You have to learn how to emotionally regulate. You need to learn how to go through situations where your feelings are hurt, where you do get offended. You have to learn how to navigate through that, right? You have to learn hearing things that are the truth. They're what you need to hear, but they're not what you want to hear. And they're not convenient for your feelings, right? And that's one of the reasons why I've been speaking out. And I'm almost like gain, gaining this reputation of like the bad boy of mental health, I guess, or like, you know, the tough love guy in mental health. I'm not your average mental health coach. And it's because I don't prioritize your feelings in the moment. I prioritize what I believe people need to hear because what we should care about is your long-term mental wellness and your long-term mental health not short term. And sometimes you have to get worse to get better. And that's why I've been speaking out. And it's not, you know, I talk a lot about the COVID stuff. Sure, like you could say, well, that's just COVID stuff. But a lot of this stuff has to do with mental health. I mean, there's nothing that's impacted our mental health more in the last few years than COVID. So I really try and bring everything back around to mental health. And you know, I'm angry at a lot of the things that are going on. And I know a lot of people are struggling and people need to hear the truth. And it's what I believe to be the truth. And that's what I prioritize. How do you find the balance between speaking about that and becoming that? Like you said, you're getting this reputation and your whole, your whole mission is mental health and mental wealth. And what I mean is like, for instance, for myself, is that during this journey, there was times where I would speak out and share things. And I almost felt like I was becoming that. And I was like, whoa, wait a second. Is that, is that really what I want to be projecting? And I had to come back and be like, you know, why am I sending this? Is this from love or is this from fear? And I think throughout the journey, there's been so many ups and downs and so much wild shit go on. And then you got to kind of sit back and ask yourself like, okay, hold on a second here. And at least for myself. So my question for you is like, how do you balance that between like, you know, wanting to speak up and fuck this and do this and all that, but then also keep your own mental health and your own sanity from getting lost in it? Yeah, that's a really good question. So first off, I want to speak at that question from more of like, 
just a, let's even say like a branding perspective, like, cause I've also thought of it in that way. It's like, okay, am I just the COVID guy now? Like, I, I don't want to just be doing this to like gain attention or, I mean, do I want attention in it? Yeah. I'm speaking about things I'm really passionate about. I want people to share the shit out of these. These are messages I want to get out there. So, you know, but I've also really thought about like, what am, what, what's the intention here? And the intention is always truth, right? Mm -hmm. That, that to me is like, you know, I put out a quote the other day. That's like, you know, you want to crush it in life. Well then be willing to get rejected, abandoned, judged, criticized, and shamed for prioritizing and speaking truth. Right. Yeah. So that's, and, and it, whether it's COVID, whether it's, you know, BLM or pride stuff that I see that's going on that I think is actually harming to society, whether I see it's other societal or political issues, economical issues, mental health issues, societal construct constructs and norms that I think are like the woke culture that I think, or progressivism that is damaging. Like I'll speak about anything because I prioritize truth, right? It doesn't always have to just be the COVID stuff. So that that's number one is like, I'm just here to speak truth, okay? And again, it's what I believe to be the truth. I'm sure I'm not always right, but that's you know what I prioritize. Now, the second question you asked is a really good one because one of the most common questions I get is, you know, how do you be immersed in all this and not have it weigh so heavy on you, you know, because a lot of people, and I speak to people every single week, you know, we bring on clients into our academies and now we have, you know, hundreds of people that we work with who are dealing with all these, you know, really, really difficult, heavy things that we're going through. And they have the same view as us that a lot of this is just completely bullshit and it's a nightmare. And I think there's, there's a few things to that. The first is we always have to maintain perspective, right? So even though I'm angry and I get mad and I vent and I talk about, you know, all of this and how crazy it is, you know, we do have to really remember that like there has not been a time period in history where the world hasn't been a fucking mess, right? There's like, we, we live on a floating rock in the universe with 7.5 billion people. Yeah. There is always going to be nightmares going on and you're not ever going to, you know, it's like the stone song. You can't always get what you want. And that's just life, man. And life is suffering as the Buddhists say. So I look at it as like, I expect it. It's like, I'm just more so wondering what is the mess going to be? The mess is always just going to change, right? But I expect there to be a mess. And it's kind of in the acceptance of that and not resisting it, right? Seneca said, what we resist persists. If you just accept it, it's like you can end up realizing that it's just like it doesn't have to be something that weighs heavy on you all the time. You know, there's this really good, and I'm going to butcher it. I've been saying it a lot lately, but something along the lines of like there were some monks that were out walking with the Buddha in a forest and they pointed to a big rock and they said, wow, that's a big rock. That's a really heavy rock. And the Buddha just said very simply, well, it's only heavy if you pick it up, <laughs> right? And it's so true. It's like with all of these things going on, I don't always choose to pick up that rock, right? Like we don't have to have these things weigh heavy on us only if we're attached to them, only if we're grabbing onto that rock, will it be heavy? So I just practice letting go. And I'm just like, well, this is just the mess that we're currently in. It's inevitable. And then that leads me into the second thing. You, you know, you have to realize how good our lives are. 
right? I look at my grandpa, he got conscripted in World War II to the army. He had to jump out of a plane as a paratrooper onto the beach of Normandy. He had to leave his loved ones, not know whether he was going to come back. There were no cell phones in those days. He was writing fucking letters back to home. And he had to jump out of an airplane onto the beach of Normandy to fight in that battle. And he got shot in the knee with a grenade shrapnel and he lived to tell about it, to tell me about it. He's, he's no longer with us, but like, holy fuck, man. Like, like I can't like perspective, man, you know, like, and I get it guys, because a lot of people are listening and saying, yeah, but Kayla, we're on such a slippery slope. And like, this is like how it starts. I get it guys, but we still, we should fight. We should do what we control or take ownership of what we control, but then we have to let go of what we can't control and we have to maintain perspective. And then it leads me into surrender, right? Take ownership of what you can control. And I just don't dwell on things that I can't control, right? Like Justin Trudeau is going to be in an office in the next three years, whether I, you know, there's nothing I can do about it, right? So like, I don't really sit there and dwell on that. And I recognize when I am and I let go and surrender. That's a practice. And then lastly, the last thing I'll say, Lance is, well, a couple of things, take really good care of yourself, radical self-care, right? This puts me in the best physiological state that I can be in. And it helps me deal with the heaviness of everything that's going on. That's number one. So many people aren't taking care of themselves. If you're reaching for the bottle or the vape or the weed to help you deal with these things, well, guess what? It's going to delay the anxiety, the frustration, the anger, and then it's going to multiply it right? So in the end, you're going to end up worse off. So stop, you know, reaching for those coping mechanisms and be able to sit with it and practice letting go. And then lastly, man, I also look at this as a beautiful thing. Like life is a beautiful struggle. If I'm sitting up on stage one day or when I'm writing my autobiography, guess what? One of the most, or anyone that we watch in movies or read a book about the hero's journey, guess what? There's adversity, there's challenges you got to get over. That is life. That's why we get fulfilled. So these are just challenges that are beautiful. They actually have beauty in them. We have to get actually excited about the prospect of being in a battle, a fight, and a mission to overcome them. Yeah, it's so true, man. We're in the hero's journey right now. Yeah. It's exciting when you reframe it like that, right? When we take control of our own life, the hero of your own movie, as Joe Rogan said, right? When you look at life like that, why would you want it any other way? Like when somebody asks you about your life or how you got somewhere, you don't talk about the end result. Oh, I'm so successful. I got a beautiful car. It's like, well, what did you get? What did you go through to get there? Right? So you're right. If you can see the beauty in the struggle, you're already ahead of the game. But a lot of people play victim and they can't see it in the moment. There's a there's a good argument for like the purpose of life is to get to the end and be on your deathbed and be able to share a story that people would want to listen to yeah. about your life. And like you think people would want to really listen to it if you didn't go through some shit? I mean exactly. like th- dude, we're living in really exciting times. Yeah. There's a really thin line between excitement and anxiety. Totally. Right? And there's a thin line in terms of how we physiologically respond to those two things. You know, for example, I got over my fear of flying in large part to distinguishing that there's a little difference between anxiety and excitement. So when, you know, the plane would be really turbulent, 
you know, you can sit there and only think about, oh my gosh, we might die. The plane might crash. Or you can just say, I'm fucking 30,000 feet up in the air on a fucking metal tube that's bouncing around. It's like a roller coaster ride. How exciting is this? Right? Like if I was just born a fraction before in human history, I wouldn't have been able to experience this. And when you're thinking that you get excited, the anxiety is still there. Same hormones are being produced, same nervous system response, just different perspective. Right. Dude, I, I can relate with that so much. It's such a good, it's such a good way to look at it. It really is how you shift your perspective. And it, it kind of takes me to the next area that you brought up that I wanted to talk to or talk to you about. And when I was doing a little bit of research on you, I found something that we have in common that I think a lot of people suffer from, and that's anxiety. And I know that you went through a lot of anxiety, panic attacks. And I know that people that haven't experienced anxiety in their own life don't really even know what it is. But I think from my experience, there's like a spectrum. There's like a little bit and then there's a lot. I would love if you could speak to us about your journey with anxiety. What did that look like for you on a, when you had a panic attack? Kind of like you give us some insight into that a little bit and how you worked through it. Yeah, I'd love to go here. So there's different types of anxiety, obviously. You know, there's generalized anxiety, which can just be kind of consistent and it can come and go, but it's more so like, you know, stretched out and, and, maybe doesn't come on as intense. And then there's like panic attacks and anxiety attacks that come on really strong and typically seemingly out of nowhere. There's social anxiety where you get anxious in social situations. There's situational anxiety where maybe, you know, like a, a plane being afraid of a plane can be an example of something, some sort of situation where you're anxious. So I, I think it's useful to kind of First off, and you can do this with, you know, a clinical professional or, you know, reading a good book about anxiety, or even maybe now me listing these off, you might be able to identify what kind of anxiety you're actually dealing with. And, you know, to talk about my experience, I've kind of experienced it all. I, I've had social anxiety, which is like really hard, I think, for some people to understand because I seem so calm in social situations now. Yeah. which is interesting because I'm not actually comfortable in all social situations. And I can, I can sit, feel like a different person if I'm not comfortable in a certain situation, something like podcasts I've been doing for so long, it just comes really naturally. You know, I can, I've, I still can have situational anxiety, right? I was just on a hike with our, our boy, Dan Payne, who I know is coming on your show here soon, or I guess it's a walk. It was a walk, but it was in a beautiful area. And there was a suspension bridge that was like super high up. And I have a heights phobia, I guess. And I couldn't even go over this suspension bridge. It was crazy. And, you know, I haven't had a panic attack in a while, but I, I suppose I'm still sometimes vulnerable to those. And then generalized anxiety, not so much, right? I've really worked on that. So it's, it's, it's good to kind of identify like, okay, how does anxiety show up in your life? For me, it was, you know, all of those things. And I, I definitely used to have panic attacks and anxiety attacks. I've had numerous in my life. I'm trying to, what you know, really feel like, can you go into that feeling just to explain yeah. to people like that panic attack? not have had that? Or maybe they, they don't know, yeah, that they don't know what that experience is like. Yeah. 
So a panic attack is very much something where your nervous system just goes on like, you know, overload and the sympathetic response is really high all of a sudden and sympathetic nervous system response is like the fight or flight, right? And it can be fight or fleet freeze as well too, depending on your biology and the situation. So really a panic attack is something that will just come on and, you know, it's kind of like the chicken or the egg thing, right? Like, you know, our nervous system can be on high alert and then we can get the thoughts that follow that are that are contributing to your nervous system being on even more high alert. Or it could be from thoughts. You could all of a sudden get these intrusive thoughts and start thinking about something that makes you anxious and then it snowballs and then all of a sudden your heart rate elevates sympathetic nervous response. And then all of a sudden you're like fight, flight, or freeze. And many people describe a panic attack. And this was actually one of my first ones is where often you can think you're dying, right? Because, or you can think something is wrong with you, right? Because it's like your heart rate all of a sudden goes, you know, really high and you don't know what's wrong and you're, you're clammy, you're sweaty and you can't think logically. So you just think, oh my God, I'm dying. Or my heart yeah. is going to you know, beat out of my chest. And, and that was one of my first experiences. And that's a very common one. But it's kind of useful to know now if I have one that I can, I can almost like feel sometimes them coming on yeah. because I know I'm like, I can more so like be able to be like, oh, this is just like me having a panic attack. I'm not dying. Like everything's okay. If you speak to like a doctor in an emergency room, this is a really common way in which people will check themselves into an emergency room. It's just anxiety. It's just a panic attack, right? So yeah, and it just, your whole body shuts down. Just, just imagine being in a very frightening situation, kind of like you see a bear 10 feet away while you're on a hike. Imagine what that would feel like and then imagine you experiencing that without the bear, essentially, is maybe the best way I can describe it. I think it might be useful now to go into what really helps me, you know, get in the driver's seat of all those things. Look, man, I, I got to give a shout out to meditation. So the first time I meditated was about probably 10 or 10 to 12 years ago. And I sat down for five minutes and I was like, okay, I'm going to quiet my mind. And I'm just going to like, you know, sit in a cross-legged position, close my eyes yeah. and I'm going to breathe. And I was more fucking anxious than I, like I got more anxious being in that state, right? Because I was like, oh, trying to like clear my mind and all this stuff. And it took me a while to really even understand the intention of meditation. <laughs> but there's a really good German proverb that I talk about a lot and Again, I don't, maybe I'm going to butcher this or I'm going to just kind of summarize it or paraphrase. That says, all man's problems stem from his inability to sit in a room alone, quiet with his thoughts, right? Essentially, what that means to me, at least, is, you know, if we can't even sit quiet with just our thoughts without any stimulation, distractions, things that can, you know, bring our mind to a place where we're not thinking about those things. If we can't sit in a lone room with our thoughts, we're not going to be mentally healthy, right? We need, we're not in the driver's seat of our mind, right? We are controlled by our thoughts. So I just remember being like, how can I not sit there alone with my thought? I mean, that's a problem. And this was even before I heard that quote, like that's gotta be a problem. I gotta learn to be able to sit alone with my thoughts. Because, you know, if you look at it like a, a Buddhist monk, well, one of the first things they do is they give up everything 
even their their hair, their clothes, and they just they put on this robe and they go into caves and they meditate. They sit there and they meditate hours on end. They eat very plain food and just days and days and days on end, they meditate. And what's really interesting about Buddhist monks is, you know, billionaires and millionaires and companies, Fortune 500 companies, it's very popular nowadays for them to pay Buddhist monks to come in and speak and coach and consult and advise, right? And they'll ask for advice. But one thing you will never see is you'll never see a Buddhist monk go to a billionaire or a millionaire and say, hey, I need your advice, <laughs> right? So my question is like, who's doing it right, yeah. <laughs> right? I think who's doing it right is the Buddhist monks who do that first. Yeah, They get the ability to sit alone in a cave with nothing but their thoughts for days on end. And then they go out and they become a millionaire because they write a book and blah, blah, blah. And they do it without attachment, mm -hmm. right? So they build abundance in the external world and with their conditions, but they do it in a way that they don't need to like, you know, they're in control of their, I don't like to say control. They're in the driver's seat of their mind. Now, my last thing I'll say is the thing that changed meditation for me, because I hear this all the time. People are like, Kaylor, I get even more anxious and my brain is too busy. I can't meditate. It's just not for me. And it's like, well, that's like a fat, overweight, you know, unhealthy person going to the gym for the first time and saying, Kaylor, the gym's not for me. I felt sick and I just didn't feel good in the gym. It's like, well, that means you probably need it more than anyone, right? <laughs> so same thing with meditation. And the best metaphor that I like to use, Lance, is imagine you're at a bus stop when you're meditating and imagine that the road in front of you is your mind, okay? And the cars going by are your thoughts. Most people, when they meditate, they sit on the, the, the bus stop at first. And then as the cars go by, which are their thoughts, they get up out of the bus stop and they walk right into traffic and they're like controlling traffic. And they're like, you go right. Okay, you can pass, but you stop. You can't go through. Okay, you go left. You turn around. You don't come back. I want you to you know, leave and never come to this bus stop ever again. That's how most people will approach meditation. And in that first meditation that I did for five minutes where I got even more anxious, I was getting up out of the bus stop and I was walking into traffic. Mm. What changed the game for me is the recognition and the realization that when I'm meditating and if I'm at that bus stop, that I don't need to get up and walk into traffic. I can just watch the cars go by without any judgment, right? Or at least intention of no judgment, the intention of not attaching myself to how that picture of those cars in front of me is supposed to look like, or the way I think it's supposed to look like. I can just sit there and I can just be the observer, right? And that's when I go into meditations, I have an anchor, something I anchor my attention into. And I let those thoughts just go by and I try not to attach them. And I non-judgmentally, if I become aware of them, I non-judgmentally non gently return my attention to the present moment. And once I got really good at that, Lance, in meditation, then outside of that, when I'm starting to get a panic attack, guess what? I now have practiced for so many years not attaching to all those thoughts that are starting to make me panic. And I can just realize I'm not my thoughts. I'm actually the observer. I can let them just pass and I don't have to judge them. And that's an incredibly powerful tool. Yeah, man, I can 
relate to so many things with that anxiety and just speaking about that, that feeling of where you feel like you're going to die. Like that, that feeling that it just sometimes comes out of nowhere and you're like, what, why am I, why am I feeling this way? And then I look at what I did that day and there's always, there's always a reason. And you write the days of meditation, nutrition as well. Diet is so fucking underrated when it comes to anxiety. I've tried to explain this to my brother, my mom, people. I'm like, you have no idea. So we'll get into that. But, you know, with the meditation, that thing has been absolute game changer for me. It's like Dr. Joe Dispenza says, he's like, it's like you're training an animal you know, I'm hungry. I'm tired. I'll feed me. It's like, it's like, you're telling the animal I'll feed you. You'll be fed. You'll be able to sleep, but this is now you're going to sit you're like you're taming an animal. It's essentially what you're doing. Mm. And speaking, I love that. To, speaking to what you said about how it's hard and you feel more anxiety. If somebody says that to me, I go, great. That's what you're supposed to feel. This isn't fucking easy. It's not just going to you're not just going to sit there and like miracles are just going to fall out of the sky. It's, it's not about getting this tangible result right away. It's like sitting through it, sit in the fire. That fire gets alchemized into love all the time. If you're feeling, and I noticed this again, I talk about Dr. Joe so much because I've been to two of his retreats. He fucking changed my life. And when you sit in the fire, that fire will turn into love. Your heart will open and it'll just, fucking break open and you'll be like holy shit and that's where the that's when somebody hits that spot it's like oh okay i get it i get it and once you've tapped into that spot you're it's it's tough to ever deny the benefits of it but it's tough to overcome those first couple meditations just like yoga i remember i did yoga i hated it the first couple times and then like the fourth time i was like oh my god i love this it was like I don't know what it is, but you like, you take those steps and then eventually it becomes, and you see the results and you feel it. And, you know, I want to speak to you about the next part is like nutrition. And for me, eliminating all like all the shitty ass carbohydrates, complex carbs, and all of these glutens and sugars and all of that stuff has such a factor on your gut. And for me, eliminating that completely changed how I felt. Speak to us about your experience with nutrition and anxiety and maybe you know, walk us through that journey for you. Yeah, first off, I, I love Joe Dispenza. He's like one of my heroes, changed my life. I haven't been to one of his retreats yet, but I really want to. And I love that taming the animal example. And yeah, just if your brain is busy, well, it's the surrendering to that and letting it be, be busy that actually makes you rise above it or helps you. It disarms it, right? And like, I, 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 I implore you, if you deal with anxiety, to recognize that you've probably been trying to push it away and that's feeding it, right? What we resist persists. What we accept, we begin to rise above and it disarms it. So create space for it in your meditation. If you're anxious, like let it be there, stop pushing it away. And you will be amazed at when you practice that and get good at it, at how much man, it can just disarm that yeah. and help you get into the driver's seat of it. Right. So I love, I love all that meditation is big, but I'm so glad you're going to nutrition next. 
you know, I mentioned meditation first, but there has actually been nothing that has changed my life more. I mean, meditation and nutrition are kind of maybe tied. Yeah. But I had the exact same experience, Lance, and I tried everything. And I'm, you know, I used to not really give too much about because, you know, nutrition is so there's so much different opinions out there. I don't know. For me, I always tell people it's like, I don't know, the people that I follow that are like the top in the world who are evidence-based, I mean, they agree on a lot of things, right? I, I don't really, I think if you're getting your nutritional information from Netflix documentaries and, you know, fucking magazines, or if you actually don't pay attention to the hidden agendas and that there's money behind a lot of this, yeah. but if you just really listen to the people that don't really have a lot of bias, they're not making money off products or don't have hidden agendas, they don't have ideological agendas, it's all like they at least agree on a lot. There's like smaller things that they don't agree on, but I tried everything, man. I fucking tried every, every cleanse, every, and when the only, the only time I would feel really good was when I was not eating. Yeah. Okay. So I, I would feel really good. Like maybe not in the first little bit, cause I would be hungry and whatnot. But once I would get past that hump, I would just feel incredible. So then I started to learn more about the gut and I started to realize like, oh shit, like if I feel really good when I'm not eating, that probably means that something is really triggering my gut. Something is not, something's wreaking havoc on my gut that I'm eating. And then I started to learn that serotonin, which serotonin is like the inner peace hormone. It's the hormone that, you know, dopamine is the motivation, like anticipatory, like I want this type of hormone. Serotonin is more like you can enjoy something when you get it, right? It's like being at peace when you get it. And it's a very anti-anxiety hormone. In fact, people, you know, doctors will often prescribe you serotonin reuptake inhibitors, which strives to regulate your serotonin in order to lower your anxiety. So serotonin is a really important hormone neurotransmitter when it comes to, you know, being able to make you feel relaxed. So with that being said, 90 to 95% of your serotonin is produced in your gut. So it's like, okay, so if the foods have a really big impact on the environment and health of my microbiome, which is your gut, and I feel really good when I'm not eating, you know, I just felt like there must be something causing some inflammation and wreaking havoc there in my gut, right? So I thought, okay, then if I reverse engineer that, then there's got to be some foods that I'm not sensitive to that don't wreak havoc on my gut. And that's really when I, I started to eliminate a lot of foods that, you know, I now know were really wreaking havoc on my biology and my gut, right? And a lot of these foods would surprise you if, if I told you what they were. And I guess I'll just kind of share a little bit, it, you know, things like seeds and nuts, so like, and beans and lentils. And like you said, even the complex carbohydrates, a lot of the grains that we're told to eat because they're like slower digesting, they're complex carbs. And it's like, yeah, but they're grains, right? They have these defense compounds and they, they can wreak havoc. And I even cut out even a lot of vegetables, right? Like, and I'm not saying that, you know, vegetables vegetables have good micronutrients but they also have these anti-nutrients which can wreak havoc and i even cut out a lot of these vegetables that were sold are healthy like kale and spinach and cauliflower and all that stuff and i'm not saying that some people are going to do okay with those not me and i think everyone should try cutting them out and really the the foods that are the lowest in anti-nutrients right and i had some autoimmune stuff going on which all has to do with the gut i had some digestive stuff going on 
you know, if you look at any of the elimination protocols for those, often it's mostly just really good quality meat and fruit. Okay. And that's really what I narrowed my diet down to. And look, I tell you, Lance, like after four days of like cutting out all of these potential trigger foods, my God, I was like the light switch turned on and I'm like, this is how I'm supposed to feel. And it was like, I literally felt, and this might sound weird and it's maybe not very scientific potentially, although I think it does have some legitimacy. I felt like I felt the serotonin. I yeah. felt charged up. I just felt this sense of like, I'm relaxed. I feel like I can handle adversity. My thoughts slowed down. My nervous system was, you know, more parasympathetic. It was incredible. Yeah, no, I, I mean, carnivore MD is if not one of the smartest dudes out there about this stuff. He was on the show back in 2019. And when the carnivore diet started, it was like the phase of nose to tail. And I was so fascinated by that diet. But then, you know, seeing the progression of like fruit and, you know, trying it in my own life, because like you said, we're told to eat these vegetables, right? And we're told to eat, load up on the carbohydrates, load up on the spaghetti the night before your game and all this bullshit. We're also told to be vegan or vegetarian. Yeah, like- we're, yeah, because, yeah, fuck, don't even get me started. Let's go there in a sec with the vegan. I mean, because I mean, I mean, how much money is in mass producing garbage, right? I mean, you can fucking produce so much food and have very little nutrition. And I mean, it makes money. So it makes sense that Bill Gates has got his hand in all of it. But to your point around the vegetables, and I'm glad we're talking about this because probably a lot of people haven't really heard about this. We don't, I haven't talked about it. I'm glad we're talking about it because I have also tested this. I've, I've been obsessed with learning the best diet like you. That's why I can resonate. And I can really see how food affects mental health. I always know when I go to a restaurant, if I eat something that had vegetable oil, I'm like, oh, fuck. I, I, like I feel a shift. And unless you eliminate things and then you reintroduce them, you're not going to know the effects. And vegetables are a major factor here. Eat lots of broccoli. Eat your greens because I'm doing the right thing. Everybody's doing their best. Then recently... So I'm doing 75 hard, Andy Frisella's. I'm on day 64 as this is being recorded. So I've been busting my ass physically. And I've been like, what is the best diet for this? Because normally training two times a day is not the best for the body. But I, that's a, that was a thought. That was a limitation that I thought was true. It's bullshit. But what I've noticed, bro, to your point around the vegetables and, and, and you know, performance is that I reintroduced vegetables and then I started to get more sore. I started to get like these like weird pains, tomatoes. I was like, I love vegetables. I want to try them out. I've been, you know, li- watching Liver King, Carnivore MD and all them, Paul Saldino. I'm like, I just want to try veggies again because I went off them. And then I was like, I got this mad like gut. And I was like, and then I would feel like foggy. And I was like, what the hell? And then I took them out and I'd just been eating fruit, meat and some eggs. And I'm like, and fasting all day, doing workouts fasted and then feeling so clear. And I know what you mean about not eating and feeling that clarity. It's like something is not right here. I'm not eating and I feel better than when I'm eating food that I'm told to eat. It's wild, right? And this is so great for all you guys listening out there because this is your body speaking to you. This is like pay attention to those things, right? And 
it doesn't mean everybody's got to do this, but you're never going to know unless you give it a try. Eliminate this stuff and then reintroduce it. Yeah, I love that, Lance. I'm, I'm actually so stoked that you're like, anytime I hear people that are, are trying this, it's, you know, so many of my clients are now because of, you know, often because of me, some, some of my clients are even coming in and already doing this because of Carnivore MD. This guy's a genius and he's one of my heroes. You know, I was just on Sunit's podcast a few a few months ago. She's heavy into, you know, the animal-based stuff. You know, Dr. Tina Moore, I was on her show, like same thing. Like it's really catching fire because it fucking works. And yeah. look, I just want to say this. If you're vegan or vegetarian listening to this, I do want to just say like, you, you know, I have no bias other than I want your highest quality of life. Like I was vegan for almost a year and I wanted it to be that I watched a Netflix documentary and I like got into the dogmatic ideological perspective on it. And, and I just, I wanted it to be the thing. I was team vegan so much. When I finally got to the carnivore stuff, it was actually Jordan Peterson and Michaela Peterson that got me on it because they do it. And it saved Michaela's Peters, Michaela Peterson's life essentially. But for me, I was like, I'm skeptical that like, I went in actually really skeptical. And I was like, I actually hope this doesn't work because I don't want to eat this way. Like I want to be able to eat fucking veggies. I like veggies. I want to be able to eat grains and, and dude, I could not deny the results. So what I say to people is like, if you're vegan and vegetarian and you're getting triggered right now, because of what we're, we're talking about, that's fair. I get it. Like, you know, nutrition is like very, it becomes dogmatic right in a, in a lot of ways and there are factors like the animal and moral stuff which we'll talk about or i'd love to talk about yeah. there's you know so there's ethical and moral stuff and here's the thing is i say i'm not really interested even when i work with a client and they're maybe vegan or vegetarian and they're depressed low energy low mood brain fog all that all the stuff i was experiencing when i was vegan or vegetarian all i say is like give me two weeks, give me two to four weeks. You know, we can sit here all day and we can debate on, you know, cause there's science out there for everything. Yeah, for sure. Just try it. Right. And that to me, because there is so much information out there on nutrition, it's like, what you need to do is you need to try a little bit of everything, every kind of diet and your body will fucking tell you yeah. how good. And uh, it's undeniable to me. It is, do I want to eat this way? No, I would love to experience more of all this other stuff that I could eat. But the way it makes me feel, Lent, I am literally a different person. I, I'm going to be really real right now. I would not be able to do what I do if I was eating even just a remotely healthy, like if I switched to a vegan diet or I switched to, you know, even just what most people would call healthy, like complex carbohydrates and like lots of veggies and a little bit of meat and, you know, all that stuff. I, I truly could not do what I do. I am so moody. I'm depressed. I'm anxious. My heart rate and my sympathetic nervous system is so easily triggered that I often can't even talk in these situations. If I'm too nervous, like I won't even be able to speak or I might have a panic attack. Like that was my history. And then I do this and I'm like, cognitively i'm so clear most days my energy is through the roof my libido is through the roof my inflammatory markers are super low my serotonin super high it's just incredible man so just just trying it is is the way to go and just see how you feel what have you got to lose you do two to four weeks it's not the thing okay go to the next thing exactly bro couldn't agree more and here's the thing too 
is that a lot of these diets people start and they can't, they're not sustainable. When I know that I'm having some meat and some mango, like I'm fucking excited and I don't need to cheat. I don't need to go and get all the crap. Cause I'm like, look, I'm going to have a great piece of meat. I'm going to have some eggs and I'm going to have a mango and some blueberries. Like, I've never, I've right? never Lance, I've never been like, Oh fuck another ribeye steak, you know, <laughs> <Yeah>. like, fuck, <laughs> you know, I love yeah. it. And, and I get yeah. some people have trouble with meat, but I think from my experience, it's mostly mental. It's, yeah. it's often females and it's often mental because we've been so conditioned to think I even had someone tell me the other day that she didn't want to eat meat because it was a dead, like the dead vibration. Yeah. And I was like, can you, can you break that down scientifically though? Because it has the most bioavailable nutrients that your body needs that are very much alive and vibing high that your body will use, you know, amino acids and, you know, iron, like amino acids and minerals and vitamins, you know, there's lots in meat that is bioavailable. That's very much alive. And I'm sorry, but if you pick spinach out of the ground, that's also not alive when you're eating it either. And the vibrational thing doesn't make sense. When you talk to someone socially and you're connecting with something that is alive, yeah, you want it to be high vibrational, but like, you know, it's, that doesn't really make sense scientifically. And I just said like, and not that I understand all the science and nutrition, I don't, but like, you know, that fundamentally doesn't really make sense. And again, how do you feel? Yeah. When you eat it, the other thing is the ethical and moral thing, you know, just straight up, if we really genuinely care about animals, look, one cow has a bad day every like six months for me to eat meat. One cow has a bad day and I get it from farms where they're treated really well. They don't even know it. They have a bad day and I eat it. You want to talk about the amount of animals that get killed from plant agriculture. It's insane. It is, I think upwards of maybe even a hundred times. It's something crazy astronomically more animals die we're talking you know gophers you know mice dragonflies hummingbirds deer right snakes like the list goes on bees man if you look at how many for fucking almond milk how many bees are killed every year and bees are essential to our environments and our ecosystem right Mm -hmm. so if you think you're killing less animals by by not eating meats you're actually killing more and i'm just that might trigger some people but it's just the facts yeah, dude, you're absolutely right. And us to be human on this planet, there's going to be a footprint of animals. Things have to die. We just have to accept that. And people just don't want to look at how much how much we're contributing in this death when we want all these avocados and we want all these all this almond butter and almond milk. Like there's a footprint there, right? And also, who is behind the movement? of this shit. Look at the people who are behind the impossible burger and the beyond meat. Do you really align with these people and what the fuck they're doing? Have you looked at how much has been, how much goes into creating this pea protein and this soy and all of this nonsense? Like that is what I ask people to look at, like really think about it and look at like why, like the big picture here. And understand that, like, they don't want us nourished. It's, it's a fact. I mean, it's, it doesn't make money for us to eat meat and fruit. It doesn't. Mm-hmm. 
And then we're not part of the, we don't need drugs. We don't need all of the things. Call me a fucking conspiracy theorist all you want. It's right there. The writing's on the wall, right? Well, the look, there's political, you know, motivations now as well too, right? The UN is already coming out and saying that we, so if, if look, I say nutrition's like COVID. This is how I help people understand who are, are at least awake. You know, people say to me, it's funny, like even my family and friends and like, no, not to them because I, I get it. But they, they look at how I eat. And they're like, what? Like, how is that healthy? Like, you know, and then I watch them eat their packaged foods and all this stuff and drink their alcohol. And I'm like, seriously, like you're concerned about me because I eat, you know, meat and fruit, which, yeah, is different from the conventional knowledge that you've been conditioned to believe is healthy. But like, it's like COVID. It's like, if you just follow the societal norm and narrative and the way we've been conditioned by governments and corporations to believe COVID is, you would think that lockdowns make sense. Masks make sense. Vaccinating the entire population makes sense. Like you would think that. Yeah. Nutrition is the same way. If yeah. you follow the conventional narrative, you will think that vegetables are the healthiest foods you can eat always. Right you will be conditioned that we need to lower our meats, that meat alternatives are healthier than actual meats, like, you know, all these things that, that like, you know, you should stay away from all these things, you know, egg yolks are really bad. Like, and <laughs> like, that's, that's, I see a lot of similarities in the way yeah. in which we as a society have come to that conclusion. Whereas like all, all the people were actually awake and like actually looking at like, wait, what's actually going on here. They're telling us we have to eat like fake meat. They're telling us we have to eat bugs, like bugs. telling us, yeah like crickets and shit like you know like look man it's this it's very similar to covid there are agendas here and there's a political agenda you know the progressives and the left are very much becoming anti-meat and they're trying to take it away and there are some you know monetary incentives right like you know whether it's bill gates you know own, owning all this land and you know, even just this, you know, the Beyond Burger stuff and the the genetically modified meat that we're going to be pushed on in the future. And progressives just always want to progress, right? They want to get out of tradition. We've been fucking eating meat for more than percent of plants because they will kill us. Yeah. That doesn't mean that the three percent that we can eat isn't doing havoc wreaking havoc on our biology yeah. they still have the same defense compounds they're just not strong enough to kill us and yeah. we haven't been eating them even remotely as long as we've been eating meat it's ancestrally consistent it's you know really in alignment with our evolution and what we're supposed to eat and i look i, I might be sounding like i'm getting a little preachy here again i just want to go back to you don't have to believe anything i say yeah try it and yeah. see how you feel, but you got to give it a chance. The first week you might feel like shit because your body adapts to everything, right? But like, try it and then see how you feel after 30 days. Yeah. And, you know, just to kind of play the other side, you know, I've been following Rhonda Patrick for years also, and she's a big, her and they collide. But again, it's worth looking at both. Try it out, right? Like you said, try it out, eat all the vegetables and see how you feel. What happens with people like Rhonda Patrick, they also become very dogmatic and don't want to look at other things in other ways. And it can become, you know, you hear this on Joe Rogan all the time. It's like, well, what is the right way? Well, I don't know. There's a lot of stuff that makes sense eating it this way. There's a lot of stuff that makes sense that way. Does is 
Is the vegetables just creating a normal response that we need, kind of like a sauna, you know, like generating a little bit of, of good inflammation that our body needs? Or, you know, but again, at the end of the day, we live in a beautiful world of opportunities. Try it all. And, you know, I want to just comment on this high vibration food thing that I've heard many times. Here's what I say to people. Can I say something about yeah, Dr. Yeah, Rhonda yeah, Patrick? Because I just do. don't want to forget, Lance. Please so sorry, do. really quickly. Yeah, please do. I do have to note that she, from my understanding, I mean, she's quite pro COVID vaccine. And yeah. my understanding from what I gathered on what her stance was, is she would have told us to get vaccinated right. with, you know, with the COVID vaccine, which Again, I'm not saying is necessarily wrong. She's entitled to her opinion. She's also a doctor. So some people are going to say, well, Kayla, your fucking opinion doesn't matter. Well, that's fair. I think it does. It's a great point. But she she also is very pro-vaccine. So it's like, you know, we we do have to kind of look at there might be some disconnect in terms of just worldview and the way in which we would approach things. But also, I have heard her on a podcast where, and I can't remember who it was. It might have been Joe Rogan, where he asked or one, one of the interviewers asked, what are like your top three foods yeah. that you would say if someone could just only eat these things? And the first thing she said was, I think it was salmon. I think it was, it was sockeye salmon. So again, meats, right? Yeah. Uh, and I, I think she also mentioned something, you know, like uh, along with like a bison or something like that, you know, so she isn't anti-meat. She just, she is big on like broccoli sp- sprouts and whatnot. And her, I, her, philosophy behind that is actually hormesis which means a little bit of stress is actually good for the body so she actually thinks that eating broccoli spots they do have these defense compounds it'll cause a little bit of stress for the body and then that that's actually good but here's the problem i have with that is you know i wouldn't tell someone who's stressed out to do anything that's stressful right so I wouldn't tell them to do a cold shower. I wouldn't tell them to work out twice a day. I wouldn't tell them to fast because all these things are stressors on the body. If you're already stressed, right. don't add more stress. Your body won't get the same effect. It's actually needing less stress. So if your gut is already inflamed, if you already have autoimmune psychological ailments, digestive ailments, which most of society have at least some of those, then we don't want to be eating the broccoli sprouts and whatnot. Maybe once you've healed and you're like really getting to a point where your body can handle it, sure, then maybe that stress and hormetic effect might actually be useful. That's just my opinion. Again, I'm talking about I'm 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 doing discourse with a very well known doctor and very well respected person in the health industry. So some people might just write my opinion off. But I don't know, I'm, I'm sure Paulo Saladino would, I know he would, because he yeah. spoke on this, he would, he would defend my position. Well, I wanted to bring that up just so that people know that, you know, like we look at both sides and we have, and I'm glad yeah, because I, I'm glad I, you brought it up. I, I'm the same dude. Exactly. When, when somebody's stance about the vaccines was pushing it on people, that's where things I was like, I was like, Whoa, wait a minute. How can I trust this person on other things? And is it always like that? I don't know. You know, Peter Atia was one as well that I was like, what? Like there was, there's, there's people that I trusted a lot about certain things that I kind of was, I was, I pulled back a little bit from following them. But at the same time, Rhonda Patrick, I think that she, she doesn't want to look at maybe the fact that these these diets and everything that she's 
been promoting may be wrong. Like there's a, there may be wrong. Like it's, it's kind of like the whole health and nutrition system for so many years. Nobody, most doctors don't, or health professionals don't want to go back and say what they were teaching for 20 years was wrong. The people that I trust the most are the ones that are able to go, Hmm, I might've been wrong about that. Rob Wolf is and one Dr. of those people. Dr. Pal Saladino, you know, yeah. at first he was just yeah. meat and honey. Yeah. And then he actually said, Oh, you know what? I'm actually starting. He was to... just, he was just nose to tail. He was zero carbs. Yeah. yeah. Zero carbs. And he's actually exemplified. This is one of the reasons why I trust him. He is willing to say he was, he was no dairy, no, no yeah. carbohydrates. And then after a while, he started to feel some of the effects of, you know, not being able to maintain electrolytes because, you know, you're not getting carbohydrates and, you know, he just felt that it was better to reintroduce these foods. And he admittedly just went into it and he'll still, he'll still, he's changed like the salts, for example, like, yeah. you know, he used to really promote like Redmond real salt and, and now he's switched to this other salt that he finds has even less, you know, heavy metals and, and has been tested more vigorously. Like he's willing to like shift. And that's what I really like about him. So that's a really good point Lance. Yeah. And you know, this, this is why it's beautiful is that with all this great information, I think we just need to try these things out for ourselves. Yeah. If you're thriving and you're doing well, you know, great. But there's also, I remember, you know, there was, there's professional athletes that were still professional athletes eating McDonald's. When they take that out, they do that much better. You don't know the level that you can be at. And the reason you guys were talking about this so much is because this shit that you put in your body really matters in your output and how you look at life, like how you're facing adversity. The problem ahead of you is going to be so much easier if the, your body is operating in the level of, like you said, in, in the driver's seat, your perspective changes when you feel good, when you feel better and you don't have this inflammation constantly being pumped through your body. And it, look, there's all these factors. Yes, you should be regularly getting blood work and checking your biological markers 100%. But like, there are other basic, you know, ways in which we can quantify good health. Okay, waistline, you know, how's your waistline? Like when I eat this way, I don't overeat and my weight goes to where it should be. I'm at a very healthy body fat percentage. You know, how's your focus and cognitive function, right? Do you have brain fog? If you have no brain fog, that's a really good sign. You know, can you, when you wake up in the morning, how do you feel? Do you feel refreshed, right? Do you feel like you can get into it, you know, right away? Do you have energy left in the tank by the end of the day? A really good one for men is do you have a fucking boner in the morning? right? Is your dick hard first thing you in the morning? Yeah, it should be right. If yeah. you have good testosterone levels, and you're in, in good hormonal regulation, you should have a hard dick most mornings, right? That was a big shift for me. <laughs> I wake up with a heart on every single morning. And yeah. I that's honestly one of my best measures of health, right? Is do I have, you know, how is your, you know, do you feel anxious, right? You know, I, I went over kind of some of the the other ones and there's just other markers of health you know can you go into the gym and do cardio and feel like you're at least into your you're in control of your heart rate you know all these different things can you recover fast like there's a lot of good other ways in which we can quantify you know health so like i said it's again i'm not i don't want to 
sound preachy here. I don't not. care what you put in your mouth. I don't care what you put in your mouth. I want you to fucking thrive. Yeah. And if you're thriving, then don't stop what you're doing. Yeah. Right. But genuinely, you got to ask yourself, am I thriving? Can I improve? Yeah. And just try it. Yeah. hundred percent. If you had to give somebody, you may have this already. And you had like a mental wealth checklist, let's say three to five things that the listeners could walk away with today. What would those things be? Man, it's a tough question because everyone is so different. You know, what works for one person might not be something that works for the next person. But, you know, I'm going to just go with like five things that I do think will benefit everyone, right? Like, I'll give you an example, you know, should like coffee, for example, I think coffee is a really great example of a tool that can actually be extremely helpful for mental health, okay, or caffeine, let's say, or it can be incredibly destructive for mental health, just purely based on where are you at in your life, right? Your biochemistry, right? Your mental state, right? People who are prone to anxiety probably should be cutting back caffeine, right? But people who might be really depressed, caffeine might be that stimulant that really kind of gets them going. They might have a hard time focusing. They might need that extra dopamine and epinephrine. So, you know, that's just an example of like, I can't just flat out say, you know, some things that, you know, are, but there are some things that I think are good for everyone. Number one, and this is probably the most important one is you need to become aware of what are the deep seated subconscious beliefs and patterns that you've been conditioned with. Okay. And this primarily comes from our childhood. You need to learn what the inner child is. And there's lots of books out there that, you know, lots of resources, get a good coach, you know, you know, I help my clients with this, really becoming aware of what the inner child is. And what the inner child is, is it's essentially just a set of beliefs and or wounds that you've experienced in your childhood that are still running the show. And like Dr. Joe Dispenza talks about 90 to 95% of the time, we're an automatic computer program that we run off of our thoughts, actions, ideas, and emotions are all subconscious. We're not even aware of them. That means they run off of some sort of code. And that code are your wounds that you experienced in your childhood. Maybe you were neglected. That's a wound. Well, guess what? Then your mind, your subconscious mind will create a story that will change your behavior to make you never experience that wound ever again. So guess what? You might not open up and let people in, in romantic relationships because you don't want to experience that wound of neglect ever again. But is that really healthy to never let anyone in? Right? Well, probably not. You have to recognize that is one of your patterns. That's just one example. You also have to recognize how you were conditioned to receive love, care, and attention, because that's what we want the most. And often our caregivers modeled that for us. So sometimes we were conditioned to, you got to overachieve the way in which you get love, care, and attention is to go out and succeed in the external world like crazy, or maybe it's to underachieve, stay small. So you don't threaten the people around you. And that's how you get love, care, and attention, or it might be to say yes. And to please all the people around you, that's how you get validated to stuff your needs down and appease to the desires and wants of others. Maybe that's how you were conditioned to receive love. That's another pattern that can be coming up. And lastly, your ego, what's your ego. 
have not the ego is in like egotistical like we normally hear the ego is the self-identity your belief about your beliefs rather about who you believe yourself to be right my name is Kaler I'm 33 years old I live here I don't really live anywhere but I live here. I have a business. I'm worthy or not worthy of this when it comes to love. I'm worthy or not worthy of this when it comes to money. Like I, we all have these beliefs about who we believe ourselves to be. And guess what? The subconscious mind actually wants to go out and confirm those deep seated beliefs. That's what will manifest in your life is what you believe you actually deserve because that's how our subconscious works. It's only primed for survival. And the way it thinks is what better way to survive than to just continue doing what I've always done that I've always known to be true. That's brought me to survival and safety today. So it just wants to do the familiar because it might not make me happy, but at least I know what I'm going to get. This is why lottery winners often lose all their money because they don't identify as multimillionaires. They identify as 40, 50, $60,000 a year earners. Okay. So you got to look at all those things. What's in my inner child? What are the wounds? How was I conditioned to receive love? And what is in my ego? And you have to be aware of those things so that you can become conscious of how these are affecting the way in which you behave and show up in the world. And step one is awareness. This is the beef I have with therapy is you stay in that awareness every session, right? It's like you sit in front of someone with a collared shirt in a nice room for 50 minutes and you just sit there with all the bullshit. It's really good of becoming aware of all those things. But then it's like, well, then what the fuck are we going to actually do about it? Because I'm tired of just sitting here in this bullshit. That's the difference between a lot of therapy. It's not all therapists and coaching. In coaching, we become aware of what our unhealthy conditioning and patterns are. And then we interrupt the pattern consciously and we show up in a different way in our lives, which changes the environment and experiences around us, which gives us new evidence, which makes us formulate new beliefs about who we are and how the world works, right? And then watch the magic happen. If you do that with enough repetition, your conditioning changes. This is Dr. Joe Dispenza's work, right? Your conditioning changes, you become a new person and you start to manifest different external conditions and factors. And that's, that's truly like, we could talk about meditation, nutrition, workouts. Yeah, all that's important. But that right there, Lance, that's the real work. And that's really how you transform your life. That's how I transform my life. And that's often the work we do with my, my coaching as well. Does that make sense? Yeah, brother. Well said. Well okay. said. Like perfectly said. If people want to learn more about you, how can they do that? Can they work with you? Tell us all that. Yeah, I appreciate that, brother. They can go to buildmentalwealth.co, C-O not .com, .co, build mental wealth. That's W-E-A-L-T-H dot C-O. And there's more information. I have a video there that I kind of talk about my coaching a little bit. And then if you want to sign up for a call, you fill out an application and you'll talk to either myself or someone on my team to apply to get into, we have numerous academies. We have really cool community people. Talk, talk about people who are awake and get it. My academies are filled with people like that. And we have training programs. We have, you know, group calls. We have one-on-one -on -one coaching opportunities. They're incredible. So yeah, if you're more, if you're kind of resonating with what I talked about, we go over everything from the nutritional factors to what I just talked about in the subconscious mind and reprogramming. It's a really cool experience. So that, and then go to my, you know, Instagram 
if you haven't been there yet, you might want to check out the Kaler bets. And I put out a lot of stuff there and it's a good, good place to find me as well. So I appreciate that Lance. Well said brother. Yeah. I, uh, time flew, man. I'm like, shit, we're already at like an hour. I'm like, I could have gone for another two hours. <laughs> That's, yeah. You know, your, your wisdom and your knowledge is, is great. And we're very aligned and I love the work that you're doing. And, you know, for all you guys listening, make sure to check out Kaler's Instagram and man, you're doing great work. So keep it up and that you're, and also the mental wealth podcast. It's growing. You got a lot of awesome people on there. So well done with that also, bro. Yeah. Thanks, man. I, I right back at you. You are doing incredible work. I'm, I'm really grateful that we connected because we're so similar, man. I can't wait to give you a hug in person and, you know, go for a workout or something because, and I just, I get so grateful nowadays when I meet someone who's very aligned because there's just, it's so few, it's few and far between, yeah. you know, and we got to stick together and you're doing incredible work too, man. You know, putting this, me these messages out to the world, like you inspire me, man, and, and just keep going. And this is really important work. And thank you for having me on. And I really, really appreciate it. Man, thanks so much. Likewise. All right, everybody. Thanks so much.